Let us pray. Eternal God, who gives good gifts to all people and who grants a spirit of generosity, give us, we pray you, hearts that are always open to hear your word, that following the example of your servant Lydia, we may show hospitality to all who are in need or trouble. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. It's a collect for the commemoration of Lydia. Happy Easter. It is good to be back with you all. It feels like I've missed most of the year. Well, the liturgical year, that is. So this sermon will be including all those I missed while being away. You know, because I've had a lot of time during my time away to, to write and do all of the good things. I'm kidding, I have not. I haven't slept much either, so bear with me. I journey through the season of Easter in this liminal space between joy and sorrow for many reasons. But first, let's explore some of the themes present in our gospel this morning. This year, during this season, these 50 days, we journey together through the Gospel of John. And currently, are in the space between the resurrection of Jesus and Pentecost, and there's just a lot that is happening. As you can tell from our past Gospel readings, these 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus is walking and talking, and hanging out with the same people that he always did and doing what he previously had done, sharing his ministry with all those around. Healed, preached, and taught his disciples before making them apostles. His friends are, getting just, are just now getting used to Jesus being with them again, and he tells them that he has to go. A reminder as we continue through the, the reading of this gospel, that it is still this gospel is still problematic for its anti-Jewish bias, and that we as the Episcopal Church do acknowledge, but it is also a favorite of many because there seems to be a clear relationship between God and Jesus that readers find helpful and easy to follow in this gospel. So it's important for us to acknowledge that both of these things can still exist. Well, this upcoming Thursday, we celebrate Ascension Day, a principal feast in the church. It is when Jesus was taken to heaven to be near the presence of God. It is confirmed by the Nicene and Apostles' Creed. Again, I'd like to offer hospitality and not assume that everyone knows the Nicene and the Apostles' Creed. And for me, repetition is always the best way to learn. So the creeds are the statements that we use during worship, and you'll see as you follow along in your bulletin. I will not recite them now, but we, as we say them today, please pay close attention to the words and see that ascension is recognized through them. Now I also wonder what was happening in those 10 days between, between ascension and Pentecost, when we celebrate the return of the Holy Spirit. You may remember this being celebrated with readings in various languages here at Trinity. Either it has been done or it will be done this year. Forgive me if I am wrong. New mom brain sometimes gets in the way. From the lessons for that day, 
The disciples all together were, were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. So I want you to remember that when we come back for Pentecost. And this year we are invited to participate. Our bishop, Bishop Andy Doyle, has invited us to participate in a global prayer movement from Ascension Day to Pentecost Sunday. It's where we pray, it's thy kingdom come, where we pray specifically for people or some family or friends that you are hoping you could either invite to church or invite to be in relationship with. And today after the service, you can pick up your journal to follow along. We are invited to pray, and I think it's especially appropriate now as we look around and we have returned to in-person services, and we realize who is missing. Is there a specific family you could be praying for? Or maybe even reach out to them during this time. We will intentionally pray for the next 10 days. And we also invite you to join this prayer movement on other platforms. There's an app that is, is also available, and we'll talk a little bit more, and it's also included in your bulletin. Reverend Hannah last week talked to us about the ethic of love. And I would like to think that this is what was also in the hearts of the disciples during this time of change and transition. They may have been surprised and even saddened by Jesus' departure, like, what's going on? You just came back to us. But Jesus is assuring them that it will be okay. Instead, they are to get to work. Could this be the holy work that we are also being called to today, as individuals and as a community? When Jesus returned to the Father, his work in the world was completed. A recurring theme of moving and acting, or being on the move in our lessons. Jesus is preparing to leave after being, and being around and sharing his ministry, and Paul is also on the move in Acts. In our New Testament reading, we learn of Lydia. Only mentioned in a few verses, and only in this book. We know that she becomes a worshiper of God, eager to listen to what Paul had to say. We learn from these verses that she sold purple cloth. And we know that she was a businesswoman at a time and in a field dominated mainly by men. The Lord opened her heart, and she, therefore, offered radical hospitality to those in need. I have a few things to say about this. One, yet another remarkable woman is identified in the Bible, yet so little is known about her. Does anybody else get curious about why this is? I think it serves as a reminder that we don't always get it right, and that it is okay to keep each other accountable when this happens that it is okay to get curious about these authors, that it is okay to get curious about our, our past, and that it is important to get curious about our current and present lives, to get curious about the current formula shortage in the U.S., that it is important for us to be aware about the rise of deaths due to gun violence in this country. 
get curious about why I mean, people in positions of power say that we care for our ch our, all children, yet want to limit education and access to those who are undocumented. Lydia was given so much, yet we hear so little about her. She's not super well known, at least I don't think she is. I don't think I walk around talking about her radical love for God and hospitality for others. I probably should. But I think that this is an example of how a simple act of love goes a long way. I want to remind you, and I think we have quite a few visitors today as well, but sitting in that space of, of opening your heart to God and finding peace as Jesus reminds us in our gospel today. In January, um, I was supposed to go on maternity in February. Um, baby was due February 21st. And we had not planned anything. We, uh, I'm, I'm very much like, you know, God, God, will, God is always doing God, so we're going to let that continue, right, um, as, as far as preparing. And so there was a celebration here to... to just gift and, and um, thank God for Sophia in January. And that day was the happiest day for us, for my husband and I. Um, I think I speak for both of us. We, had, we were received here with a lot of love and, and gifted with just many, many blessings for Sophia. And it was that same Sunday, that same night when I got a call from my doctor who said we had to induce and the only way to prevent, to 100% guarantee uh, and prevent um, a stillbirth would be to deliver this baby. And so as I was navigating through today's sermon and trying to find uh, what words God was speaking and, and realizing that all of these things exist at the same time and there's space for them. And there's space to find peace in them. Uh, I don't think I had a lot of peace that night. Um, I think I went to bed very afraid and very worried. But this community lifted us up. And for that, I am grateful. I'm grateful for the example that we get of love and mercy and hospitality through all of you. And in conversation this week with Father Dale, he mentioned how Trinity does so much. He said that a lot is happening here and that others need to know about it. Because if you talk to any, any person here, they're involved in, in at least one ministry and they can tell you about it and they are very passionate about it and they will show up for you. Um, and so I invite you that if you are a visitor, I invite you to reach out to anybody here and ask them what they do and I, you will find a greeter, you will find acolytes, you will find people leading evening prayer. You will find people singing in our choir that would love to share with you about their ministry. And so when he said that, I thought, well, maybe that's also what sets us apart. You know, we, are, we all are, are, are all here to do our part by loving and showing up. And we experience God in everyday life. And like Lydia... We may, not, we may not be sharing it out a lot, or many people may not know about us, but we're here. So I wonder what this time of change can mean for us as we move from the season of Easter. How do we continue this? 
remain authentic to this ethic of love that Hannah mentioned last week, yet intentionally show our hospitality to all. How do we use our resources to include others or to invite back to this community or to get involved in holding each other accountable? So I invite you, and as we wrap up this morning, to navigate through these moments of Easter, whether they are joyous for you or whether there is grief or sadness. May we acknowledge our current pain and the fragility of life in doing all of those things here. So this could be a time of action for some. It is also a time of stillness for other for others. Still to have our hearts open by God like Lydia. To listen and to embrace the peace that Jesus offers us through his gospel this morning. Amen.